It is said that necessity is the mother of all invention. And here is the story of a mother who, when faced with a common dilemma that all parents encounter, a dearth of natural skincare products for their children in the market, decided to set up her own enterprise to produce exactly that. She started a homegrown company producing toxin-free, natural, personal care products for moms, babies, and millennials. The brand that started in 2016 today serves over 1 million moms across 15,000 pin codes. The guest of my show today is none other than Malika Sadani, founder of The Moms Co. In this episode, we will uncover her journey from how she started from being a banker to an entrepreneur, the challenges that she faced along the way, her success story of getting funded and becoming a 100 plus crore company and much more. Malika, welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you, Gauri. Thank you for having me. So first off, heartiest congratulations on uh, selling the mom code to MyGlam. It's a fantastic achievement considering you only launched the business, uh, what, five years ago. Um, so, you know, what do you attribute this astronomical success to? And, you know, can you in particular take us through some of the challenges you faced? Yeah, hi, thanks. Uh, yes, we're all excited that the moms go with the current deal as well. Uh, I think, you know, when we got into this deal, very clear for us that we were looking at uh, distribution. And what we got from MyGlam was both an online and offline distribution, right? So we had about four other uh, term sheets on the table. And what was the most exciting for us with them was just the fact that, you know, we are a D2C brand. We've always been online and they kind of gave us distribution across both online and offline platforms with them. We suddenly got an access to over 35,000 uh, retail outlets and a reach of almost over 100 million moms, right? That was the most exciting uh, part of the journey for us. And to answer your question on what got us here, I think it's always been for us a lot of focus on brand and product. We've always ensured that the product that we create is the, is the safest, best. And that's what we've always focused on as a brand. And that's what the brand got this lot of love for. Yeah? I think, uh, you know, the brand just became a trustworthy name across different households. It's a very word of mouth driven segment. Just mm -hmm. one person gets you a lot more consumers. And that's, I think, what kind of helped accelerate the growth for the mom's company. You know, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, just drawing a parallel with my own in business, which is hospitality. I mean, nothing beats word of mouth, the sort of user-based support and the endorsement, nothing can kind of beat that. But it's just interesting. I mean, just going back to the point about what made you pick My Glam, and you mentioned about being now not just an online e-commerce brand, but also moving to the offline space. Um, it's interesting because I think in the last year, we've seen this crazy acceleration towards the digital, to, towards e-commerce. And so it's interesting that you also now uh, feel the need to have, you know, an offline presence, which you haven't had so far. So is that sort of, you know, a change in strategy for you to now be uh, offline as well as online? Did you think that you were kind of missing out on some clientele by not being in, in the offline space? No, so Gauri, to just to add, right, like so when we started, uh, and this was about four and a half years back, and immediately in about three to four months of our starting the brand, we realized that it was very hard to find a pregnant woman online, right? And the way the brand would get built would only be through a strong connect with the mother. And that strong connect needed physical presence, which is where what we had done pre-COVID 
was that we had tied up with leading maternity chains like Fortis La Femme, Cloud9, Max Healthcare, Apollo, uh, the units, right? The mom and baby hospitals. And inside the hospitals, we had set up a kiosk where we would have our own, um, you know, we used to call her a mom counselor, who would stay there and get the product to be tried with a lot of women who were waiting for their chance to see the gynecs and doctors, right? So through right. that whole mode, we try to reach out to them and also introduce the brand to them. So we've always had some form of physical presence for ourselves. I think once COVID hit, this model stopped working because the whole concept of waiting room for pregnant women and all sort of went for a toss, right? It was not happening anymore and nobody wanted to try products during that time. Mm -hmm. And that's when we decided that we'll start our retail journey. So I've, even as on date, we have about 1,500 touch points on retail that we currently have. And from there, what we're looking at is looking to expand. And also on a broader note, India is a very uh, retail-heavy market. Online is a new space that's growing, but a large part of the Indian consumer is, is on retail, right? And if you want to be a leading player in any brand or any segment, it is important that you have retail presence as well. I actually strongly believe that only channel is the way to go and everybody will have to have some presence online and offline both for the brand to really reach a really good height for itself. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think people still have that need to kind of see the product, you know, touch, feel. I, I, I don't think that's going anywhere. No, I was in the mall the other day and I realized the footfalls in the malls is insane. Like we walked in and walked out and say that, you know, it seems like COVID doesn't exist anymore. It just sort of gave you that kind of a yeah. feeling. It was a little overwhelming to see so many people on the, the stores and kind of visiting the retail outlets. Absolutely. So uh, again, I just want to kind of pick your brains a little bit on this. You know, you mentioned earlier that you had four other offers on the table and uh, you decided to go with MyGlam for the, you know, for the reasons you mentioned. But um, can you sort of take us through that process of how you kind of did that, you know, uh, you, you came, you went about that elimination process. I mean, like you said, the reach that you're getting now was factor, but were there any other things, especially when it came to, you know, connecting with the investor parties and, you know, just how you sort of made that decision other than, of course, on a valuation and reach perspective? So I think you know, the most important uh, factor in every deal and every time you get an investor is how closely you're the investors and your point of view and your alignment is there on the future goals. Uh, the alignment on future growth in terms of growth prospects and everything was the maximum with the Good Glam group. And when we spoke to Darpan, we were very, very aligned on how our goals matched, how the, you know, the journeys kind of matched, right? Like we have all DTC brands have always been led by 2x growth, 3x growth, year on year and all of that, which is not traditionally what you see with a lot of FMCG companies, right? They're very different modes. Uh, here we got that. And I think, as I said before, the most important thing that we did when we were getting into the fundraising process was that we were very, very clear that we want huge amount of distribution. And that for us was a deal break, deal uh, maker for us, which was came from the good level. Right. But you were actually uh, looking to raise another round and then decided to merge. So uh, was that a slight change in, uh, in, in strategy that happened uh, because, you know, the deal was like too good to be true? It was. So I, I think what happened was we went ahead to raise funds. But even on when we were looking to raise funds, we were looking to raise funds from a strategic partner. We weren't really very keen on a financial partner right. for this round. Uh, because obviously, as I said, right, the most important thing that we wanted from this deal was distribution. And that came, that would have only come through a strategic partner. And while it was that, we were very clear that we would go on an investment mode that was very clearly defined two paths to control. 
in this case as well, of course, it was exactly the same thing happened where there's a path to control in an uh, entire conversation. And I strongly believe that every time you get a strategic on board, you must have this route to complete exit slash paths to control otherwise you know then you get into this space where uh, you have money from one strategic partner and then you kind of everybody else is a little cautious while investing because there's already someone else on the board right the board dynamics is extremely important to manage and that's what we did so it was always supposed to be a deal with a strategic partner with high amount of distribution with a path to control in mind for sure interesting so uh, just talking about the whole beauty and personal care segment you know d2c brands in this in this category have been growing at an unprecedented rate um, and they've been attracting capital you know from risk investors in fact i think this segment has attracted three times more funding in 2021 compared to 2019 and 2020 what do you think is the reason for this level of interest in this specific industry, considering the COVID backdrop, you know, and, and everything else that obviously has mushroomed in the last 18 months? Yeah, so I think, as you said, right, the segment was attracting a lot of capital. And that, that's why it was also one of the best times for us to kind of go through and do this deal. But on a different note, I think what's happened, Gauri, which is very interesting, is over the last one and a half years, we have seen the Indian consumer make its journey into skincare. Uh, you know, we were traditionally been a market which has been very driven by using a face wash and a face cream. Mm-hmm. And that's about it, right? For us, in our regime, serums got introduced, face mist got introduced. You had care for different skin types that got introduced. You know, there were conversations not just on the type of skincare and the amount of skincare that you can have, but there were also conversations around different ingredients for different benefits that came up. So I think just the entire conversation on skincare and looking after yourself was highly accentuated during the period of COVID. And what we also saw very interestingly in COVID was that the consumers changed their mindset from buying and getting products that were good for them and also good for the environment, which became very, very important for the consumer. Digital brands were slightly ahead of the curve than anyone else in these modes because when we launched, we launched with conversations around toxin-free, PETA-certified, cruelty-free, going ahead and showing how we reduce our carbon footprints and plastic footprint that we create during this. And that's what I think the consumer kind of associated with. And what we could do very quickly was, of course, we were very, very thorough on the space for digital. So when a consumer was looking for products online, we all knew how to make sure that we were visible Mm -hmm. because we had done this for almost about three to four years. And that kind of gave a push to all the brands that started about four to five years back. And last year, we all saw a big bump because suddenly all the consumers that you could only reach through a mode of TV or otherwise suddenly started shopping online, right? We didn't really need the retail presence to show growth in numbers. The same consumer moved online. And that's why you sort of saw a bump up in most of the numbers for most of the people at that point of time. So can you give me an idea of what the sales mix is between offline and online and pre-COVID and now? So pre-COVID, we had about 98% that was just from online and about 2% that came from offline, which is strictly our hospital network and hospital channels. Currently, we're about 85% online and 15% offline. Wow, that's interesting. And, you know, I mean, uh, you mentioned earlier that you already had this really strong presence online and, you know, you knew how to do the e-commerce part of it. Take us through that a little bit more. Like, you know, is this all just about, uh, uh, you know, digital (laughs) marketing and spending on, you know, performance marketing or is there more sort of more to it? 
So in terms of what do you do, is there two things that you largely spend money on? One is on the performance marketing, which is on getting like the business for the day. And the other thing that you do is for brand marketing, right? Which is where you're spending money for long-term brand building and building brands, trust and brand listing. Because eventually in the long run, if you're, once your product reaches someone's house, you have to make sure that the experience is absolutely wow for the person to reach. And while you're constantly working on metrics of conversion and converting consumers who have seen you, there's always a more that you have to do on increasing your top funnel, which we say is the broader awareness search funnels, which is there, right? So you broadly invest in these two buckets, one from a perspective of just driving awareness and the other from conversions and trials and sales in general. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, just sort of coming to you as an entrepreneur, how is it managing motherhood and building this uh, incredible, you know, homegrown personal care label? So take us through how you balance life as a mother and an entrepreneur. I don't think there is any balance. And I think I just, I think the, the best thing that I learned was I don't try and balance at all. That was my biggest learning. So I'll give you a perspective, right? Like when I started, there was a point in time when I, when I just started traveling. Every time I would come back home, I would come back home with gifts for my daughters. And, you know, and I would just keep doing that constantly because it was this mom guilt that we all are aware of. And, uh, you know, then my husband Mohan just sat me down one day and said that, what are you doing? Like, you're going to be traveling and doing this for a very long period of time. You can't be coming back home with goodies for children. Children believing this is normal. So you have to stop doing that. And I just sort of stopped doing that. And uh, I went through this phase where I spoke to this brilliant woman who told me that, you know, I want you to write down five things why you believe you're a good mom. Hmm. And none of those five things for me, you know, came across as being available for the moment. It was all about long-term things that I wanted them to do. And that was when I made a promise to myself saying that anything important, I will always be around for you to do that. But at any given point of time, I will not be constantly available to be a helicopter mom around. You know, my daughter was roaming around and I just got an award from somewhere. And she just held the award. It was a big, big poster kind of a thing, you know, like a full layout. And she was holding it right next to her. And she was walking around and I said, what is this? She says, this is my dress. And I have named it and I, I call it pride. And that is when it just stuck me saying that, you know, I may not be there to do every homework with her. But I am teaching moms a really important life lessons. And that is when I made my peace with it. And that is when I said, it's all right. Like I need to be around for important events. I haven't missed a single recital. I may have ran into school to attend it and see it and ran out of school uh, as soon as the recital finished being the first parent out. But I have never missed their, any appearance that they have made. Uh, never missed a PTM. And th those were the things that I kind of set for myself saying this is non-negotiable. At the same point of time, I've, you know, like it's, it's really funny. I've done a, I've done a fundraise conversation where I got into the fundraise because it was the day of my daughter's birthday, and I called the balloon guy saying that you haven't showed up, please show up. I walked into the fundraise conversation, came out, and I said, "Where is the cake?" And showed up at her birthday party. So I've done even that as crazy stuff, and I've also cancelled meetings saying that you know. Mara has a recital and I need to attend that as well. So I've done both spaces for it. But I think it's at the end of the day, it's all about finding your peace and finding your balance because there is going to be no such thing as a perfect balance. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And uh, it took me a while as well. But once I, I found that, uh, you know, I made peace with it myself. Uh, it was a whole different uh, experience being, being a working mother. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, you talk about your, uh, the, the life hacks that you employed um, when the whole work from home uh, scenario came up in our lives. So tell, tell us a little bit about that as well. 
so you know as i said as my my daughters are 10 and 7 right now and they've seen me doing this from like the last 5 years so they were 5 and 3 when i started um i, I think they've just gotten used to the concept of workspace mm-hmm. and what i did even when covid hit was set a separate workspace for myself which was which they knew that while you were there they wouldn't come in intervene right so there of course been moments when they come in and they go out whenever they have some work but they know that this is the time allocated for work and mama needs to work and that kind of helps you set a balance and the second thing that i constantly believe on is massively in terms of scheduling and setting up routines for everyone right i think it just sort of helps the entire ecosystem if the routines for everyone is built so the children have their own routine when they go to school come back they have something they have an event in the evening and they come back and do that which is the same thing for me as well right when i'm available over the weekend there are some routines that we always follow and that kind of helps everyone align around what you're looking to do um and i think it's very very important sometimes to have some really honest conversations with everyone around you you know at home and also at work because it just sets premise for everybody to work more easily with each other right so i think um the biggest thing that a founder gets to do is to do it all and as and when your size of your company increases it's it's a little bit work from your kitty that keeps going on because you don't have the time to do it all and you physically cannot do it all because the scale of the business is such way gone and that's when someone and i think it's a very similar journey to what a mom also makes when she starts going back to work right where little by little you have to learn to let go and someone else take it on for you and that i think is a very important journey that every woman entrepreneur or every working woman needs to make for herself like learn the art of slowly letting go and someone else take control over that and that could be your child or that could be your employee or it could be a subordinate it could be anybody else but just the art of letting go and someone else take control of that i think is the most important thing that we all need to learn i'm and i'm going to add to that because i think letting go is the first step but allowing being prepared for someone to make mistakes uh, to you know they get it right you know i think as a i'm one of those crazy perfectionists and it would drive me mad but i think that was the biggest thing i could do was just allowing people to make give them the space to make mistakes and and learn so yeah i, I, I completely resonates with me so continuing on this personal note i know that you um you know you 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 co-founded this business with your husband if i'm not mistaken um you know he's an equal business partner in in this venture and uh, i i work with my husband too and um i know what that's been all about so t- tell us uh, about your journey about working with your spouse and you know is it about work all the time as a result so you know i i have genuinely really enjoyed working with my husband you know i think uh, um you know there's there was i remember there was this when we used to just for 5 years back when we were fundraising things have really changed in the last 5 years in the funding space as well but when we started we used to be asked questions around how are you going to make it work of course when you would sign contracts there were contractual agreements mentioned saying if you guys separate then what happens to the business and who takes rights right and we have signed all those That's documents so yeah yeah but i think the most important and the interesting part is that uh, when you start any company it is very important that the partner that you choose is someone you can really trust upon right and that trust just lets you do a lot more at any given point of time like if you say if i could have done whatever i did in 5 years um you know without him around absolutely not right because because i knew there were certain things that he was taking care of and would be taking care of well just because of the amount of trust that you share for your co-founder that's very important for anybody else whether it's a husband wife couple or anyone else uh, i think the only thing that we have to learn and be okay with is that every conversation gets carried at home right and 
everybody in the team needs to really know what you are doing and what your partner is going to be doing i remember when we hired our entire layer of top team there was this one fine day when the hr walked up to me and said that listen i need to have a conversation i don't know how to do it but i really need to get it done so i am like okay sure yeah we are not sure what to come to you for and what to go to mohit for right and it's been couple of instances and we have told mohit but mohit hasn't told you and we have told you and you have not told mohit and i just went back to them and had a very honest chat and i really urge people who want to do this well to have honest chats with their teams right where she i just told her say listen mohit and i don't take decisions at home mm-hmm. you know and the day we start taking decisions at home and coming back and letting you know i wouldn't have any one of you on the top team available to me right because the whole idea is that for us if i have hired you i want to take the decision with you and i don't want to take it at home with him right so please assume that we work independently and each one of our team members these are the people who reported to me and these are the people who reported to mohit these are the factors where he has the veto and this is the factors where i have the veto so i think just clearly demarcating roles for the two of us and just sort of making that clarity given to like the entire team is the most important thing and once you sort of do that you find ways around on solving everything we just started off with a whiteboard in our bedroom that's great <laughs> for almost two years so we used just to wake up to so much task list for what you have to do and from there of course moved it out the first thing we did once our funding rounds came in was move that whiteboard out that's that's a nice uh, symbol of, of uh, i guess taking the work out of the uh, out of the bedroom and and also i think you know it really does require a conscious effort to not uh, bring work home and uh, it 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 really is just about being mindful of it till it becomes um i i don't think it ever happened for us we bought work home so if you ever want to get to know anything about the moms company the girls are the best to tell you all about it <laughs> like it is successfully made its route to dinner tables and other conversations all around right so but i think it was okay like they learned through their way like it was very interesting right like even the kids the exposure that they've had is that there was one fine day i put my daughter in an animators club she sent me a logo for what she's going to launch when she grows up and that logo had some detailing where there was a brand name there was a tag for the brand name and all of it and she came and explained it to me as how the momsco has that momsco and love without compromise and this is what it is for her right and wow. that's detail to which they have sort of picked up from online you know for our conversation that mohit and i have been doing but that's all right it's a different yeah. skill that we have learned and i think we've sort of made peace with the fact saying that you know the works never going to end uh it's just what we definitely make it a point that when we go for holidays the four hours of work are separate and the rest of the time we don't talk about work but that's restricted to those holidays that we take but listen it sounds like it's been such an incredible journey and uh, you know over such a short span of time but tell me a couple of the real big challenges that you faced um you know building this there were lots of challenges a lot i think just sort of don't get spoken about enough but i think uh you know the times when the it was the hardest was when we were starting up uh because just convincing people to work with you was really hard you have no background in what you're looking to build um you know i'm an engineer and mba by education i have not done cosmetology so it was very hard to convince people there um there's constantly learning as a curve and that's something that i've enjoyed the most in my entrepreneurial journey where you're constantly learning you just there is no single day when you don't learn five different things right like you're constantly learning 
but that means that you have to be constantly on it to learn because when you go back to work you're giving answers to people but when you come back home you're constantly speaking to five different people to learn from their experiences and their learnings that they've had right so i think there's a lot of work that goes into it and the third very very hard thing that we faced was hiring people you know it, it, you always want to hire the best but you always don't have the money to hire the best at every stage for yourself right so how do you sort of strike a right balance between what is it that your payroll allows you to pay plus who's the best candidate at that point of time and then just convincing people to join your vision and your mission is is it's hard it's not easy i think as you grow in size all of this uh, changes in terms of what challenges every scale of business has but i think initially when you start up these are the three most important challenges that you face so what's next for you you know i mean is it, is it, are you looking at at continuing to grow the business with my glam have you got some new exciting venture on the on the horizon you know so i've taken a very interesting target of taking the mom's go to 500 crores in the next two years so that's what we are going to be doing uh for the next two years i'm kind of working with the my glam team to kind of make mom's go one of the top leading mom and baby brands in the country and and maybe take it global Yes, yes. So we've already launched in about five countries. Uh, we're of course taking it further with them. We're in the process of doing a lot more other launches um, along with them. So of course, it will be globally available as well. Malika, any message to give to brands starting out in this industry or setting up their own business? Yeah, I think just sort of focus on the product. Like a lot of people kind of take short chain into not getting their product right, and it's really important that you get your product right because the consumer has so many options today that they're very unforgiving. So I think you know it's very important that you strike the right chord with your consumer at the right time by launching the right product and getting the right product market fix. And when you do that, I think it should all be. are uh, kind of sorted for it and i always tell everybody you know if there is something that keeps you up at night maybe it's truly worth losing your sleep over so just get up get started and get moving and you'll figure a way out to make it work that's fantastic and uh, yes i completely agree with you integrity in in you know the product and your vision is, is will take you a long way look it's it's i'm so you know i i'm not in this industry but i'm really proud of what you've done and uh, you know i i know we've never met but i just think it's incredible that there's something uh, you know something so sort of uh, um uh, special coming out of india and and i love the fact that you know homegrown brands you know are now going global and uh, i i really wish you all the very best and you know i i hope to see you go even bigger places than than you have so far so